bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Hello there, I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to be your host for another episode of Talent Champions. Today, my guest is Anna Wildermuth. She's the founder and CEO at Personal Images Incorporated. She's also the author of Change One Thing, Discover What's Holding You Back and Fix It. Anna started as an image consultant, and then she evolved to incorporate communication and executive presence coaching into her practice. Welcome, Anna. Thank you, Diana. You know, thinking back, I was trying to remember when we met Anna for the first time. I think it must have been, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, we were at both at a leadership conference. And I remember you had by far the longest line of people just waiting to talk to you. So I remember standing in line and you were giving five minutes of free coaching on your executive presence and men, women were lined up. And I remember how thoughtful, kind and actionable your feedback was and I was like you know what I need this lady I just moved to Oak Brook where I was overseeing the global uh, training center for McDonald's Corporation Hamburg University and that started a great um, partnership friendship where you would come in and coach my new operations um, professors they were operations consultants in the field and they were coming in to be professors and we really wanted them to get that experience of working with a coach to take their executive presence up a level because they hadn't been used to standing in front of a group delivering content and we were really working on upgrading the image of the university so you were a key part of that so and we've done a bunch of other stuff together but really appreciate you being able to spend the time with me and our audience our talent champions today Diana, that was so fun that day, having all these. I think I went through about 200 folks, and it was fun. And they were all very receptive, worked very hard to make sure it was very inclusive, and they would have fun with what they could walk away with. It was good. Yeah, it was great. Anna, today I invited you to talk about a pressing issue that I still see holding back many ambitious, qualified leaders during my time, not only as an executive, but now as an executive coach, which is around that executive presence and really helping them fill this gap, this critical piece, you know, to help them have an even stronger leadership platform. But before we get into that, the meat of it, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you work with? Well, as you know, I coach and consult executives, basically with their way they present themselves and how they can communicate effectively with their peers, with uh, senior management and with clients. And it's really been a wonderful journey working with them. And I've worked with folks in the C-suite. They have been lawyers, they have been accountants, they have been, even I've even worked with an astronaut. And it's basically to help them that they can connect with the audience. And they've been as young as 19 and as old as 70. 
Yeah, you just such a wide audience. I also remember one of my senior directors at the time, it was very into like researching who we used. And I remember her coming into my office and saying, do you know that Anna is like one of six or seven certified at the level she is around executive presence and image consulting? It wasn't a big field back then when we were using you. So uh, that was even more prestigious because there were fewer of you and really helped helped us understand, you know, how credible you were and how much we could and should be leveraging your expertise. Now, I think what people, especially executives, are more in tune with the idea. It's how you walk into the room and how you connect with your audience. It's that first 20 seconds that you want to make that connection. Yeah, that's so important. I think about how many times I've judged somebody within the first several minutes, and I'm trying not to do that. But tell us, how did you get interested in and how did you become one of the very few people that are certified at the level you are around this um, expertise? You know, my first my first career really was in sales, and I would work with new hired salespeople, helping them look and dress the part and really be able to listen to their I call their customers, and we call them clients, but they're customers. And it was interesting because I was in sales at that particular time. I would ask, folks would come up to me and say, you know, Anna, you really understand the present piece. And I had someone in the area who was going to go on a trip with her husband who was in the C-suite. And she was very nervous about it. And I said, oh, there's nothing to it. And we went shopping. And I found out that I had a really natural way to work with an individual on their presence. And it had everything to do with the head to toe piece. And so I saw how I got into it. And I found out and when I ran into the husband, because I thought he would be so upset about the price. And he came up and said, oh, it was cheap. He said, we went on the cruise. She was happy. She wasn't upset. And I thought, you know, there's a business to be made of this. And then I ended up to present a workshop for a, a businessman who I ended up being a client of mine who uh, he thought it was great because he felt his executives need that little fine tuning. Went on to get much more training. And that's how I, 30 years later, this is where I'm at. And I love it. Wow. And you're so great at it, too. So tell us a little bit about your coaching philosophy. I think the philosophy first in my way is I'd like to meet the client even before we, the organization that may hire me or even before the person actually receives a proposal from me. I want to see that we have a chemistry and there's a trust element. And then we kind of look at what does the client need to or want to achieve and what does the, and if it's an organization that has hired me, what do they want to achieve? And we want to see that we're on the same platform because it's really about the trust, trust with the client, trust with the organization. And that's how we really begin, but it's all about trust and really be, be sure that we connect. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think about even my clients today, I always want to make sure not only I find out about their organization and what they stand for and their culture, but then spend a little bit of time before I even agree that I take them on. Because I agree, you have to have that chemistry and you have to have the trust. And for me, I really want to be able to help people. And like you, you want to feel like you're going to make a a difference and that they were going to be receptive and you're going to have that rapport. So, And it has to be a very safe environment. Because I do not judge. Everybody is unique in their own way. The real key thing is, are they 
making the impact that they want? Are they where they want to be and where do they want to go? In some cases, it's an individual that may be sort of stuck in their career or it might be the organization feels very highly respectful and really feel that this person has all that they need to be successful, but they're missing a few things. So my role is to help them look at those things and strengthen them and make sure this is a place that's a good place for them. Yeah. I tell you, giving feedback on people's appearance and how they come across, that's not always easy. I think about how many leaders I've interact with that say, I'm just not comfortable addressing this with this person, you know, that they're, they're uncomfortable having that, you know, courageous or difficult conversation. And I always look at it as if you're not telling them, you're not being really fair to them. You're not helping them be set up for success and to really grow. It's also sometimes difficult for a manager to be able to go into an area that could be very sensitive to the individual. Sometimes we're in a little bit of denial. Even though we want to change, sometimes it is difficult at times. But you want to have somebody in your corner to help you. Yeah, change is change, regardless of how small or how big it could be. I, I definitely agree with that. Is there a main common reason that people reach out to you uh, to, to use your services? Is there one or two main areas that are similar? They are very similar in one respect, is they're not being effective in where they're at. It's challenging for them because what happens is that they're used to doing certain things a certain way. And those things that would help them be very successful way in the beginning may not help them successful now. So it is about appearance, but more so how does that appearance connect with the words and the communication and interpersonal skills. It's a combination of both. And it can be either someone who didn't get a promotion or someone who got a promotion but are not succeeding in the way that the senior management thought they would succeed at. So it might be a CEO that just got promoted to a huge group and uh, she's coming from another country. It might be a middle manager. It might be a political person. They're looking at how can they present themselves in the best light. It has about appearance and it is about the way they communicate. And I find that it has a similar theme, but it, it, it's different for each individual. So they could be making a major presentation or they are running for a, a leadership group. It has to do with the way they present themselves and how they communicate. Yeah. How they present themselves, and in any case, they want to make sure that they're presenting themselves really well or taking up a notch if they're looking at a job or connecting. I like how you said, as you work with people who want to connect better with other individuals. Yeah, yeah. and when I say presenting themselves well, what they may be doing may have been good for where they were at, but where they want to go, if it's for a major presentation, if it's appearing before a C-suite, or if it's a brand new position they've acquired, what may have worked for them in the past may not necessarily hit the mark, like you say, take it up another notch for the group. And it is sometimes it's a resistant thing. It, it, in some cases, it might be an individual come to me personally and kind of want to prove that the group is wrong. They want to say, you know, I'm doing right and she's going to confirm it. Or maybe a manager that's very effective in what they do, but maybe the C-suite doesn't see them as the right person for the role. So where do you start? How do you uncover like what's at the root of the issue or what are the key things that they need to do? How do you start? Well, first of all, I, I will meet with the manager and we will 
sort of discuss a little bit about what the manager wants, about the person they're asking me to work with, and then what I'll do. And if it if it's a person who contacts me themselves, I will try to have a coffee with them or have lunch with them, and just make sure that we have the chemistry and the compatibility, that we're on the same page in terms of just at how we navigate through things. And then we really kind of discuss what do they want, the client want and need. And if it's an individual client who comes to me, look at their needs, and if it's an organization comes to me, make sure that we're in sync with what the organization needs. The most important thing, it has to be kept confidential, and the person who hires me understands that fully. Great. So have you seen issues with communication and image really holding people back from their personal career ambitions? Oh, major. It's it's when they're not being promoted. Or if they've been promoted and they're not getting the respect they need from the senior management, many times they'll be promoted and they're not, and what they need to do is not being effective. And part of it is not always because they're not being effective, but the C-suite doesn't see, or the senior manager doesn't see the inroads they're making. So what I try to do is get in, in, in partnership with the manager and with the client to see that we're all on the same page. It's been interesting because I think it's a little bit more of that, um, you know, taboo, don't want to say it's their image or how they come across or communication. So I just see people sometimes will say, well, that person's just not a good fit or I don't think they're the best choice. And and sometimes, you know, when I'll ask follow-up questions, then I can get to, well, they just don't really look the part or I don't see them having the followship you know, because they have that image, you know, or they don't have that image. So I think sometimes people are even cautious about saying that it is something that's holding others back. In some cases, they'll use the word, they don't have the gravitas. They don't have the whatever it is, that fine tuning that makes other folks around them comfortable that they're the role they need to be. And in some cases, the person may look perfect, but it's the way they communicate. I have a had a client, she's still with me now, she's out of the country, but she's coming back shortly. She always accomplished what they needed, but by the time the project was done or the goals they met, everybody was, was wasted. They were exhausted. So my role with her is to help her be more inclusive in what the goals were, bring people together so they feel like they're empowered and not being beat up. And and it's it is tough because she she's a go-getter. And so for some folks that's one area. For another folks, it's because they don't present themselves. Or they look like they just rolled right out of bed. They are, they're very, very smart. They have all the skills to get the job done, but no one wants to put them in front of the audience. They, are, they don't see that we don't, the organization doesn't see them like they're the face of the organization. And that's the key thing. Is the brand that the individual has what represents the organization they're with? And getting that specific feedback is so critical. When I coach leaders today, uh, as well as when they were working for me, I would say, if you didn't get a job, find out why. 
you know, mm-hmm. ju- and just keep asking. Sometimes you, ask, you have to ask three times before people give you constructive feedback, you know, so ask, is there anything else that I could have done better, different? What advice do you have that I could work on before I interview for a role in the future? You know, what did the top candidate have that I didn't have? So I ask people, just don't take that you weren't the best fit. Somebody was a little bit more qualified. Try to get a few things to work on. And that's why I love when I read your book and it's like, just change one thing. Because if people, instead of, you know, I'm going to reinvent my whole image and do 20 things is if there's just one or two things that you could start to work on, but you need to know what those things are so that you can make that progress. It's, it sounds in some respects, very simple, but it's difficult for some folks. People will always know what they don't want with somebody. But what do you want and how do you want? I like the fact that we always want to have, I think, things on paper. Because if you can just start with just one item, doesn't have to be huge. It could be just small. It kind of steamrolls yourself to the next place. I find that it's, it's incredible in my mind. I can look at someone and work with somebody. I automatically know what I think they should be doing. But it's not my job. My job is, like you said, ask the right question continue to ask the questions and pause to have them kind of pull it out of themselves. And sometimes it's very hard for them to articulate it because they know something's not right, but they're not quite sure what it is or they're missing the mark. And sometimes they may know what it is, but they're afraid to take the risk because they're comfortable in where they're at. Yeah. But I think any leader today who has people working for them and you have a feeling or your gut or there's some things that some of your people could do better, different, especially as it comes across in regards to, you know, presence, communication, you know, how they show up is is you owe it to your team, I believe, to give them that feedback and, and to get the feedback on yourself. So let's let's focus if there's a talent champion out there that is wondering if their executive presence is preventing them from, you know, accomplishing their their objectives or goals or getting them to that next level position. How do they figure it out if if it is something in in regards to their executive presence? Well, I think I think that's a really good question because sometimes it is having that coach to tell, be able to share that with you. But before you even begin there, you have some close, I call it a group that you trust and you feel confident with, ask them. If there's one thing I could put in place to kind of step it up, what do you think that would be? They might say it's the way you look. They might say the way you answer a question. They might say that you need to talk in a meeting. I mean, there's some folks that we work with there. They have all the knowledge, but they don't speak up in a meeting or they give too much detail. They're not succinct enough. Or when they make a presentation, they automatically are not sensitive to the audience and say, is the audience with you? And how do you make sure the audience is with you? Ask the question. And sometimes it can be a very simple question should not be so complicated and overwhelming. Sometimes when I ask the question, what would you like to walk away with in our work? They'll look at me and they're not sure. I said, well, let's just start with one thing. If tomorrow you wake up and you wanted to change one thing, what would that be? Or if not change, what would you like to add to your skill set? Yeah. And there is a fine line between fitting in to the culture, you know, and looking the role and looking the part but also having your own sense of individuality. So how do you navigate that desire for people to express themselves, 
but still convey that desired executive presence? I know this was a challenge for me at time as a, as a leader. I think number one is that you want to be comfortable in who you are. Because there's so many folks I see that working with the best, I call the, the most, the sharpest blazer or the sharpest outfit. And they walk into the room feeling uncomfortable. You have to really feel comfortable because I will tell you, it's really how you carry yourself. And then have the confidence to be sure whatever you put on your back or wear is that you love it. And to set yourself apart, I, I know when someone says, well, I might have to wear a suit, but no one wears suits anymore, but you have to have a jacket. Even the same person next to you is wearing the same jacket, but the way you wear it and the confidence really will set you apart. I always try to do something different. And uh, for, men, for men, I always say to them, if you're going to put a shirt on, make sure the shirt is something you really love that stands out. I was in front of a building one day, this last week, I saw like 40 men walk out. They all had the same blue shirt. And I think to myself, so what are you guys thinking? They all wear the same blue shirt. I would say, choose a different color shirt. I think for women, it's a piece of jewelry. Uh, I think it's how the jacket fits. There's so many different things, but if you love what you wear and you feel good about it, you will set yourself apart. I always get this question. This is kind of interesting. Someone has just been promoted and they were a member of the team. Now they're running the team. I will always say to them, let's do a little something different because I get a call from the executive who says, you know, I know this person should be running the team, but they're not getting the respect they need. I'll end up uh, meeting with the person. I said, why don't we do a little videotape? have them look at themselves and see what they think. And then I will ask, let's do something to shake it up a little bit. It might be for the woman, a new hairdo. Uh, it might be for the man, a different choice of suits or jackets or shirts or ties, something that would set you apart. I think it's better, but it can't be too, too bold. It's just gotta be a little something so they notice it, but they don't call their attention to it. Yeah, I always coach my leaders, let's talk about what does that next level up? What do the leaders above you look like? And what are they wearing? So if they're all wearing suits, and you decide I don't like suits, you know, is that the right move? Or like you said, maybe it's not a suit, maybe it's just a jacket. But how do you ensure that you're fitting into that next level up? But I love being able to bring your own individuality. So whether it is some jewelry or something that you wear or do that makes you feel comfortable, but also makes you feel different. I love that. You know, look look the role, but also stand out and, and be your own individual. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting, I've just uh, began working with this organization, which, you know, most organizations are very casual now. When I went up to the C-suite level, which is the floor where all the executives they were all, the women were all wearing skirts. Um, they all had jackets on. And then when you go down to the second and the first, second and third level, everybody's really, really casual. It's like uh, a well-known prestigious organization in New York just has said they're going to go business casual. And it was kind of the buzz. What are they going to do? And I recommend to the executive, even though the other individuals are very, very casual, I don't opt you to go very, very casual. Just always have that polished look about you, whatever that is, uh, because it can't be too casual. Too casual is not good. I understand that today we want to have much more of a casual 
a feeling. And I think there's so many clothing choices right now. The fabrics are much more relaxed. They're more comfortable. Even the blazers today for women are not that stiff material. It's more of that soft look. So I think it's important to really be careful about when we go to the business casual mode to be very sensitive to that. Yeah, I tell you, that's been one that's tripped up some people. I, I It's funny because I'm coaching a group of executives, and when we have meetings, they'll say business casual. And for the men, it seems to be easy. You know, they don't wear a tie. They can still wear a jacket if they want to, but it's a little easier for men sometimes. The women, it's like if you go too casual, you don't look professional. And, and so it seems like some of the women have been more challenged with this going um, casual. And I love I love what you said is there are a lot more choices out there. But any other advice if your company is, you know, casual, but you want to stand out to look just a little more professional, but not overdone, because that can be the ba- a bad thing. If everybody else is casual, and you're always in the suit, you could be unapproachable. But are there tips that you would give our audience to look professional in a casual setting? Number one, I believe for the women, always have to have something that's either has a collar. If it doesn't have a collar, then have a second piece to it. Collars are back and blouses are back. And I think that really has a much more polished look. But if you're comfortable with something that's collarless, then have another piece to it. You, it can be a jacket. It can be a cardigan. I always think jewelry will always set you apart. And I want you to look at what other women men are wearing and not necessarily copy it, but be sure that it has some connection to you. And for the men, I think it's different shirts. Shirts today, men's clothing used to change once every eight years. It changes as we speak. I was just in a store recently and I'm taking pictures for a project I have for like 45 salespeople. And it's interesting, the colors that men can wear, the different colors in slacks, the belts, the accessories. You can always set yourself apart by doing something just a little bit different. And the key is if you're not sure, Go to a store that you really love and look around and see what what other people are wearing. I think sometimes just sitting in the main lobby of your organization and looking at and seeing what other people are doing helpful too. But setting yourself apart can be just a color choice. Also, I think it's really important for people to understand what's their best color. Color makes a big difference. And like, like Diane, you always look great in blues. Blues are, are really enhanced, your skin tone, your, your hair color. Any shade of blue looks good on you. I think if you went to beige, it wouldn't do anything for you. So always look at colors because colors can do a lot. You can have the same piece of clothing, but if, it, but if it's not the right color, it won't work. Yeah, I remember one of the first meetings we had together when you actually did some coaching for me and we went through my colors. And it was wonderful to find the colors that looked good on me. And then if I found out I felt better when I was wearing those colors. And I have a couple friends that wear just the colors that really bring out their their skin tone and their their eyes. And it just they just look more vibrant and alive instead of washed out. So I think that is a, a wonderful thing to keep in mind is what colors really do bring out the best in you and that you feel yeah. the best in. Right. A great tip would be take a few of your favorite colors. It might be in scarves. It might be from, from whatever you have in a shirt or a top or a scarf. Uh, for the men, it, it might be like a shirt. Put it against you. And does it bring color to your face? 
And if you're not quite sure, go to, especially for the men, because the men, I think sometimes there's some men that are really good with color. But if you're not, go to a great men's store that you're favorite and look at a salesperson that really looks really sharp and ask that salesperson, what colors would you recommend for me? Or otherwise, just call me and, and we can do a Skype and I can talk to you through it. But I think that makes a big difference. And it's always also the, the fit of, the, of an item. It has to have a great fit to it. When I was at that store, there's a whole line of shirts that are wrinkled because that's a new look. Don't do it. Don't go for whatever is a new look because the wrinkled look will never go far. And not if you want to get in the C-suite, for sure. Yeah, I that's one of the things I coach my people on is make sure you iron your shirt or get a shirt that looks crisp because that will definitely make you stand out in a positive way instead of a wrinkled shirt that looks like uh, not not so put together today or had a had a rough morning or night. There are new jackets now for men. They're called tech sensitive, meaning they stretch, they're wrinkle proof. They have extra have pockets where they can put all their iPhone, their Android, whatever it is. And it's interesting. And years ago, you could never get a, a man, a man, a gentleman could never get a suit with two pair of pants unless it was a cheaper suit. Now the, the stores are now showing separates for men because they realize now a man, just as a woman, they have different shapes. So it might work on well on top, doesn't work well on, on the pants. So I, I'm impressed that they're finally putting out separates. And these are not, uh, I've called, they're the Hickey Freeman, Oxford. They're well-known brands that are saying, okay, we now understand a man needs a separate, which I think is phenomenal. It's great. Yeah. Do you see the trend of matchy-matchy suits going away? I, I don't see as many you know, full suits when I'm interacting you know, with executives today. It's interesting. It's on its way back. Uh, it, ha- it left a couple of years ago. Now it's on the way back. And the reason why, because it's easy. Isn't it easy? You walk into your closet, you pull a, a top and a bottom, a jacket and a pair of pants and they match. Life is easy. Not everybody wants to mix and match all the time. And that's where the fashion injury has finally come up. Now also they're selling things in capsules. So you can buy a whole outfit at once, which I think in the best they haven't. But back, back to your question, I think it's on the way back, but not the way it was before. For men, there are like four different shades of blues out there. Uh, there are four different ways that you can mix and match where it used to be a dark gray suit, a black suit, or a navy suit. Now there are four different shades of blue. There are three different shades of gray. Same thing for the women. I, I think women are getting back to suits because it's comfortable, but it's not a conservative dark suit. Uh, they were showing the other day pink suits are bad. Not that I would wear a pink suit, <laughs> but, I mean, but some people I show wearing pink suits. Or I one, oh, four years ago I had this uh, powder blue suit. I decided to wear it. Now it's the rage. So I thought I would look like the Easter Bunny, but everybody liked it. So I back to your question. I think some suits are coming back. Yeah, but not the way they were before. Uh, it's so funny. It's like if something's not in style, what do people say? Just hold on to it; it will. But you got to have a large, large closet to be able to do that. <laughs> I, you know what? I think the biggest challenge is for an individual who knows, who's sort of in denial, who says, "I am really good at what I do. I am smart. I'm articulate. Why does it matter that I have to look the part?" And so, what I'm going to ask them. Wouldn't you like to walk in a room and people automatically connect to you? They feel they, there's something about you they want to get to know. And sometimes it's that piece of clothing that will do it. 
because they don't get to talk to you. They, they see you across the room, but they, they aren't able to touch and talk to you. But you might make an impression on them. And they say, you know, I really want to meet that person. That's great advice. And I've run across people like that. At times, I felt like that, you know, being a woman in a predominantly male dominated roles when I was coming up in this need to feel like you have to fit in. And, and like you said, if you can make people comfortable with you, and it's your clothing, it's your appearance, it's how you uh, communicate, and you make people feel comfortable coming up to you. Don't you want to do that? I love what you just said. I also think it's important to pick a good role model. Sometimes the folks that are in, and I don't mean this uh, judging, but there's some folks that are in a very, I call it the C-suite area. They do break the rules, but they can break the rules because they have the capital. They've been there long enough. People know who they are. But if you're someone moving into a new role, you're in a new organization, be careful. Watch those folks that are that you feel that might be good role models, but just be careful not all of them will be. Interesting you said that because that was some advice early on I, that I received and then I started to give to people too is, you know, you have to follow the rules to some extent if you want to keep moving up, but then when you get to a certain level, you get to make the rules. And, and to me, yeah. that's really important for our leaders that are in the role model slots is understand what you're wearing, what you're doing is sending a message and yes. help people underneath of you understand what's the right way to receive that message and what should they be doing. And, you know, the more feedback you can give as a leader that help your people understand, you know, what what is appropriate um, advice and guidance on changes that they could be making or things that they're doing right so that they continue to do it. That is the best way for leaders to help grow their people is feedback, positive and constructive. Oh, absolutely. I, sometimes I have to be very careful what I'm going to wear because I'm setting a role model. And if I tend to be a little edgy, you want to be careful that the organization understands that edgy. But if they're a very conservative organization, I want to understand what their guidelines are and what their rules are. Because I know myself, I can push the envelope a little bit, but I want to be careful when I do it. Yeah. You brought up earlier the um, idea and the suggestion of videotaping, and I just wanted to touch on that. That is one of the best ways to do this self-evaluation. So if you feel like you're not getting the feedback that you need on your personal appearance or communication style or anything that you could do better different is videotape yourself many times when I do that with a client or an executive and then they watch it, they pick up what they could be better doing better or different or and maybe send it to a few people, those trusted advisors and say, you know, can you watch this and give me some advice on something I could do better different? Getting the feedback that's specific to you and how you come across so that you can do things differently to me is the key to helping to continue to grow your brand, your executive presence and your impact with others. I will ask someone when I'm asked to work with them and they'll say, well, I've heard this before. And I said, okay, so what's, so if you heard it before, why hasn't it been put in place? So what, how do we get it in place? And they'll say, well, I don't believe them. I said, okay, so let's test this out a little bit. So how many times have you received this feedback? Or maybe a dozen times. Well, this is my recommendation to everyone. If you've received feedback, more than five times on the same area, I want you really to look at it. It's one thing if you've received it once, that's different. But five times, I think it's a pretty much of a tell because it is difficult for some people to get that uh, 
take that feedback because they're not quite sure if the intent was there. They're not quite sure if they can do it. That's why I think it's important to reach out to a, a coach or a close friend, someone that you trust, and just say, you know, what are the things you think I should be looking at and see what they say. Well, turning to the virtual workplace, because many leaders today and the workforce is working virtually, and I think this brings different challenges. I mean, it's a wonderful thing for flexibility and helping to accommodate people's needs and, you know, so many things to help with productivity. But the downside, I'm hearing from some of my executives and up and coming leaders, is they're missing that face-to-face interaction. So any insights in regards to things that if you are working like that, that you might think about doing better, different, or should you go to the office occasionally? Do you have a point of view on those areas? It's so important about when you're working virtual is to be seen. And a great example is about 15 years ago with a young woman I was working with, she's a talent manager, and she was being overlooked for the next step. She was always out of the office because she traveled quite a bit and she was a virtual, really had a virtual office. So I had recommended her, please think about making an effort to come into the office. Even if it's only once a month, be in front of the folks who are the decision makers. Now, 15 years later, she is now an executive vice president for that Fortune 500 company. So my thought to you, it's great to work virtual, but you have to be in front of the decision makers. You want to make a point to get into the office and be sure that when you do, that you are in the office presence. Because sometimes when we, we travel virtual, especially some of the consultants for other companies that are out the road all the time, it's one to have you have one image that's important to the client that you're working with because that's who they are, the retail business. But then when you come into the corporate office, be sure that your brand resonates with those folks who, are, who make the decisions. It's important to be there. The other thing that's very important when you're always on the phone all the time, the way you communicate on the phone is just as important as the way you appear to someone face-to-face. We want to be very sensitive to that. Sometimes folks get very lazy on the phone. Don't do it. I coach my leaders, you know, if you're going to be in a meeting with some of the key decision makers, if you're not one of the decision makers, you know, get there early. Interact with people before and after the meeting. Don't allow your schedule to be so tight that you don't get that opportunity because that's when you get a chance to make a little plug on something you're excited about working with or on. Um, or if you see the, you know, the CEO in the, the elevator, talk about the things that you're doing. Don't talk about how busy and so much stuff going on. You know, that's not what they want to hear. Talk about what you're doing that's making an impact so that you help them better understand the potential that you have for moving up and the, the contributions that you're making to the company. I think it's also when there is an event that's in the office, that's a networking event. I uh, and uh, there are events that you might go to that other executives there or decision makers that there attend them. I also, it's important to have the art of small talk. Don't go right into the work area. Just get do a little, you know, a non, I call the not so small talk. How have you been? What you've been up to? A vacation? A book you've read? And then you can lead into something that's business related. Because sometimes I think that senior executives will see somebody coming toward them thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to say something to hit me right at the nose. No, don't do that. Start out very slow and just work into getting them to know you, especially when you're not around a lot. Because it's the point that people want 
want to work with people that they know and they feel comfortable with. And also, let's face it, all projects don't work smoothly. Can they be the one to trust you to get through those areas that have been a big hiccup? That's another important piece because it's always about being inclusive. I totally agree, Diana. You've just got to get to know people. Great advice. You get to know them, make them feel comfortable with you, and then share some things about yourself. I really like that. So Anna, what's your favorite thing about being an image consultant and executive coach? My favorite thing is when the person I'm working with or the organization I'm working with succeeds in their goals, whether it's a a person who has just been elected to to be ahead of a 60,000-person membership in a male, all or male-dominated organization, and she's the first woman to run it. Is it also a, a person who thought they could never be a vice president because he didn't fit the mold? Those are things that really make a difference to me. It's helping someone. It's, it's something, something as small as them looking at themselves in the mirror and feeling great. My favorite story is my first executive I worked with. He was the nominated as Entrepreneur of the Year. And he was asked to work with me by his assistant, interesting enough, because he was uncomfortable about being in an environment with all very senior leaders of in Chicago. And we worked together for a period of time. And I remember him accepting the award because I was in the audience. And before he was going to the event, he said to me, Anna, I feel like I own the room. And he did. And part of that is when someone feels really good about themselves, feel good, they deserve what they got, and they're confident. Whatever the role is, that's my best. That's my reward. And it just thrills me to no end. That's a great story. So one of the things I like to do is ask all of my guests to tell us about one person who's had the greatest impact on your professional life and that you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's influence. So does someone come to mind? Oh, yes, my dad. It's just my dad was something else. He came to this country when he was about 17. He was in the Army in the Korean War. He's a businessman. He loved the community. He was American Legion. He was Lions Club. He was Rotary Club. He just loved it. And he taught the five of us. He had five girls that always do your best. And my dad did have some setbacks financially and business-wise, but he never, ever felt like a victim. He just rolled up his sleeves and went on to do the next thing. And I always think about him because it was difficult for him. He came from another country and it was hard for my mom, but my dad always soldiered on and said, we're going to make the best of everything. So it's my dad. Yeah. Well, that comes through. You, you're hardworking and you focus on the positives and you make the best out of everything and you make the people that you work with better, myself included. So thank you so much for sharing all of your wind- wonderful expertise with us. What final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions, Anna? Well, for, for, I think for ourselves, because we want to be make sure that we feel good about ourselves and that we're healthy. I, I feel that for, as a coach because it is a it is a business that we all love to be in, but it can take can be wear and tear. So you want to make sure that you're healthy. I always want to make sure too, whatever it is that you put on your body, that you love it. 
and you feel good in it. And I think for the individuals that you're working with, you know there's certain things that are holding them back, ask the right question or ask the question. And maybe the first question isn't the right question. Keep asking the question because all the questions can't be perfect, but eventually one will kind of unlock them that I think is important. And if it's someone that when it comes to clothing, if they're not sure what they should wear, I would say explore a little bit. Take somebody with you trust to try on a few things and see if that will be helpful. But, and then the other thing and the last thing is if you have a manager that you're close with, I, I'd ask them the, a couple of questions. What can I do to put in place to get where I need to go? And that's very helpful. Great advice. And Diana, and thank you for having me because I want folks to know it's great you want to have a partner in your corner. Diana is great as an executive coach. We are, I'm an executive coach. Uh, we both have our expertise, but always want to have somebody in your corner. And when you do, because the folks today that succeed always have someone they can trust. And so thanks so much, Diana. I really appreciate this opportunity to share. So Anna, how can our listeners get in touch with you or maybe learn more about some of the topics that you shared with us today? I think the best, one of the easiest ways to go and find LinkedIn. Anna Sue Wildermuth on my LinkedIn, and I have information about who I am, what I do, and articles that you can use for your organization. You can go to my website, which is personalimagesinc.com. That has a lot of useful information. And you can hear me speak about different communication styles at annaexecutivecoach.com. Always can call me on my cell phone at 630-935-2165 or send me a text or email me, Anna, at personalimagesinc.com. I have quite a bit of information out there you can use, and I would look forward to hearing from everybody. Great. Thanks for sharing that information, Anna. And we will include all of those links on the website. You can find not only this episode's information, but also information about our next upcoming guest. I look forward to listening to it. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. Anna had some great suggestions for improving your executive presence, but we didn't have as much time to get into the communication piece. So join me on my next episode when I'm talking with adjunct professor Ariane Gasser. We'll be talking about how strategic leaders communicate and some of the biggest mistakes we see leaders making when it comes to communication. To receive an email notification when this episode is released, visit talent-champions.com and click on subscribe. That's talent-champions.com to receive email notifications and bonus content from our guest. Thank you and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talent champions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.